Another day, another comeback win for the Atlanta Braves. This time, Ozzie Albies walks it off as the Braves sweep the New York Mets. We'll talk about that exciting game and also answer your questions on this mailbag episode of Locked On Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Lockdown Braves, part of Lockdown Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Also, make sure you check out my written work over at bravestoday.com. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at lockdown underscore braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. Always appreciate you sending those in, and we'll answer those on today's episode. If you're new on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. If you're watching there, also hit that thumbs up button as well to help support the show. Thanks for all the support that you give me. Had several of you mention in the comments section on YouTube this week that you're an everydayer. You love the show. Had some reach out on Twitter as well. I can't tell you how much that means to me to do this every day and know that you enjoy it. That does mean the world to me. So thank you so much for letting me know that. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use promo code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. A last-minute ticket's lowest price guaranteed. On today's episode, we're going to briefly talk about Thursday's wild game. I don't usually do a ton of recapping when we have a mailbag episode as we got a lot of questions to get to, but what an exciting game that was. We'll talk about that, and then we'll answer your questions, which are kind of all over the place, including What's going on with Spencer Strider? We'll discuss that on today's episode, and then we'll set you up for the weekend where Braves' top prospect, A.J. smith Shaver will be taking the mound for his first professional start, so that should be exciting. Well, let's start with Thursday's wild game, and I'll try to take, it, take you through it quickly. You want to hear a more full, extensive recap, make sure you listen to the postcast that me and Grant McCauley did. You can watch that over at Locked On Sports Atlanta's YouTube page, or you can hear the audio version and Locked On uh, Braves podcast feed. Well, let's try to go through this game. It's, it's Justin Verlander. It's Spencer Strider. It's a pitching duel of somebody who has won Cy Youngs and somebody who hopefully, I think, can win a Cy Young one day and Spencer Strider. And that's not what unfolded at all, right out of the gate. It looked like Spencer Strider in that first inning, he blew through the Mets order, uh, the Mets, Mets order in that uh, first inning. And then the Braves come out and put up a three spot, Austin Riley with a two run homer. And then Starling Marte lets a ball just casually go under his glove. And Travis Darno is able to score from first. And the Braves take a three nothing lead with Spencer Strider on the mound. And you're thinking, okay, Braves about to cruise to an easy win here with Spencer Strider on the mound, wrap up this sweep but not the way that things unfolded. The Mets put up a five spot in the second inning, capped off with a grand slam by Brandon Nimmo, and then the scored again, made it 6-3, and then the Braves just kind of chipped away, hung around in there. They knocked Justin Verlander out after the third inning, and the Braves really, like I said, just kind of hung in there. You had a couple of home runs by Francisco Alvarez as well to help the Mets you know, add some runs there. Spencer Strider gives up eight runs in this outing, the most that he's ever given up in a game. They have to go to Michael Tonkin. He gives up two more, and the Mets are already scored 10 runs by the middle portion of this game, and things are not 
looking great. But as we've been saying for the past week now, really, you can't give up with this offense. They are never out of a game. And even when they got down like they did, I never really felt like they didn't have a chance, especially once they knocked Verlander out of there and went against that Mets bullpen. You still felt like if they could just continue to score and chip away as they did, it'd give themselves an opportunity. You got a big two-run homer from Travis Darnot in the eighth inning, which made it a one-run game. And then you had the ninth inning. And that's where we'll start here and break it down a little bit. You had the Marcelo Zuna at bat, should have walked. I mean, that was just a terrible call there. The pitch was clearly off the plate inside. However, perhaps got a little bit of a makeup in the RC at bat. There's a pitch there and that at bat that probably could have been called a strike. It was borderline. And then you had the check swing where it looked like maybe he went. He gets another life and he takes advantage of it, gets a cutter up and absolutely demolishes it to tie the game up. Then Acuna gets on base as well, and Matt Olson almost ended it in regulation, uh, but it was not to be. Then Rysel Iglesias comes on as an absolute dynamite inning in the top of the 10th and doesn't allow that ghost runner to score from second base. Thought he was really good there. And then you get to the bottom of the 10th, and Austin Riley came up. He had a couple of pitches. He just missed in this one. Obviously had a great night. And you're thinking the Braves aren't going to get it done here with two outs. And Ozzie Albies comes up, the only guy to, to that point in the game that hadn't gotten a hit. And he comes through with a big three-run homer for the 13-10 to 10 win. I don't know what to say. This is probably going to go down as the best game of the year for the Braves unless they go on to win a World Series. But this game, I mean, just incredible. The fact that they were able to come back, a game where Strider gives up eight runs and you're able to – win that game and a game started by Justin Verlander just shows you how hot this offense is right now. It's a four straight comeback for them. It's five wins in a row. It just feels different right now. Uh, sweep of the Mets, which is obviously huge, continuing to keep them down in the NL East. Great job by the bullpen. Big shout out to Joe Jimenez, who looked good in two really clean innings, just had a walk in there, which was to Francisco Alvarez, which is probably a good idea with the way he was swinging it. That kid has some amazing power. I thought there was no way that ball he hit to right field should have gone out, but it did. He just has some really big pop. But this offense right now, again, you cannot count them out. It truly is you know, incredible to see them when they're all clicking like this. Michael Harris had another multi-hit game. He seems to be getting going. I said mentioned Austin Riley, a four-hit game. I know Matt Olsen only had one hit, but he had four hard-hit balls. As I mentioned, he almost ended it there in that ninth inning, a ball that landed on the warning track, so he was swinging the bat well. Everybody up and down the order really swinging the bat well. You have to when you have 19 hits, 10 runs scored. So an incredible, incredible game. Again, you want a more extensive breakdown, make sure you go back and listen to the postcast. But I do want to turn our attention and jump into some questions here. And we'll talk about what where, uh, what transpired on, um, on Thursday night as well with Spencer Strider outing and I apologize I didn't have time to kind of put these questions together so kind of scrolling through these on Twitter thank you got a lot of submissions here so definitely want to uh, get through them but are there any worries about uh, this comes from Cavs Buckeyes it says uh, more a fresh a frustration question than one with a good answer but assuming hoping we don't hear any injury news what is up with Strider he hasn't been dominant since April and the implosion against the Mets was the culmination of all that so Look, Strider hasn't been as dominant. I've mentioned that, you know, even through the month of May, it was more, 
you know, four and a half ERA type stuff that we saw from him. Still, you know, dominant type stuff, getting the big strikeouts, but we weren't seeing that, you know, six, seven innings, one earned or less. It was more six innings, five innings, two runs, four runs. So he hasn't been, you know, that dominant. I think a lot of that's been command walks. We've seen him walk a lot. He didn't necessarily, I thought the walks might hurt him in this one, but it was really, he just got hit hard. He got extremely hit extremely hard in this game by the Mets. I, I think this game in particular on Thursday night, it's a game the Mets had to have. So you knew they were going to come out aggressive, really give it everything they had to try to win this game. I think they also just have a great approach against Spencer Strider. I think the velocity was clearly down. It was down 1.2 miles per hour from his yearly average. Again, hopefully there's nothing to that. I know a lot of people have complained about the velocity being down most of the year, but still he's averaged 97 miles per hour. You saw a lot more 95s, 96. In fact, I tweeted out all the hits that he gave up in this game, and a lot of them were you know, 95, 96 miles per hour. You look at, you know, gave up eight hits. It was one of them was a 96 mile per hour fastball right down the middle. He, you know, a couple of good swings. He had a good slider down to Brett Beatty that he was able to go get and hit with an exit velocity of 101.9. Then he had a hanging slider to Marte and at bat that, you know, he kind of fouled off some tough pitches and kept battling. A good changeup to Jeff McNeil, who just punched it the other way with an 89 mile per hour exit below. The one that really, really hurts, and they always hurt when you get the bloops, but. That bloop to Omar Narvaez, 69.2 miles per hour on a slider that was middle down. He just dropped the barrel on it and, and dropped it into no man's land, and that followed up with really the big blow of the night, I think, against Spencer Strider. First pitch, middle-middle, 96-mile-per-hour middle, fastball to Brandon Nimmo, who was sitting on it, ready for it, and crushed it with a 107-mile-per-hour exit velocity. That's the one right there. You get out of that inning, and, you know, you don't give up any more Then maybe he goes five innings. Maybe he still gives up four runs or so. But you kind of live with that, especially with what the offense was doing. But I think he's got to change up the game plan against the Mets. They clearly have something on him. They frustrate him with the foul balls. But I think more so than this one, he was just missing over the middle of the plate far too often. And he was missing it with lower velocity. Look, 96 is still really fast, but, you know, that's not what makes Spencer Strider so effective. He can miss in the zone with that fastball when it's 97, 98, 99, but you're missing in the middle of the zone with 95, 96. Good hitters like the Mets have are going to be able to tee off on that. So I think it's a combination of the stuff was down a little bit, the command's down, missing over the heart of the plate too much, and the Mets just have a really good approach against him, something I think he needs to adjust going forward. So not worried about Spencer Strider long-term, but the Mets do seem to have his number. All right, got a lot more questions to get to. That was just one, but I thought it tied into the recap for Thursday. We'll talk about those here, other questions here next. Buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful, and it's not when you use Game Time, which is the fast and easy way to buy your tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They have great deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, so you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting excited for all the fun you're going to have. I used Game Time to get some tickets, last-minute tickets to a Braves game, actually some parking to a Braves game, and it was a very uh, easy experience, and it was the cheapest tickets out there that I could find. 
Uh, forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Get images of your seat before you buy, which I really uh, appreciate. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code MLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code MLB for $20 off. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Braves play the Nationals on Friday night at 7.20 p.m. Eastern. Can they keep this momentum going? Five in a row, four straight comeback wins. Maybe you don't, you don't have to have a comeback win every night, but if they do, you can catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with the SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Braves. Been a really fun week on the podcast, especially covering all these exciting wins the Braves have had. If you missed anything, make sure you go back and give them a listen. On Monday, we'll have our Miners Monday recap. It should be a lot of fun as well. We'll start preparing for that MLB draft. You got Super Regionals this weekend, so a lot of good college players to watch as we prep for the MLB draft. And we got a question about the draft on today's episode, which I'll answer here in a second. Let's jump back into those questions and these are going to kind of be out of order because i'm just running down on twitter real quick um bellfire says after ozzy walk off the last couple of years the braves have had a walk up or a wake up series that really jump started them into playing extremely good ball obviously they have a great record but will this sweep be a similar type of catalyst as in previous seasons i think maybe losing the oakland series should have been a little bit of a wake-up call i know they ended up salvaging a game in that series and then lost that opener against Arizona. But even in that opener against Arizona, I think there was just some bad, bad at ball luck. It was just a 3-2 loss there. They could have easily won that game. And then they've kind of got on a stretch since then. So I think the wake-up call might have been in Oakland where they realize we're better than this, but we have to play like it every night. We can't just go out there and expect to win these games based on our talent alone. So I think maybe that was the wake-up call. But I do think – and you. You know, I've been saying it on here. I heard Peter Moreland say it in the post game last night. It's just a different feel right now with this Braves team. It kind of feels like that 2021 team where it just, you knew they were going to come back. You knew they were going to win. It just had that feeling kind of getting that way again. And look, they'll be hot in cold streaks. They'll probably have another cold streak at some point in this season where maybe they need another wake up call. It's a long season, but. Certainly right now, I don't know if it was the Oakland series. I don't know if it was the Eddie Grand Slam. Something has sparked this team where there's just a different feel, a different energy around them where you just can't count them out. So I think, you know, certainly there has been some sort of wake up call there. Joey Milby says, do you think AJ Smith Shaver gets full starters run on Friday night with us having so many guys used today? Or is he an opener? We're going to count on multiple innings from a queue and possibly Yates. So. We'll maybe discuss this a little bit more in the last segment previewing the game, but I think I think they're putting him out there as a starter. Uh, they'll probably some have some sort of pitch limit on him, but certainly I think they want him to go out there and pitch as a starter and go, you know, five innings. I think at least you would like to get out of him. Now you look at his starts in the minors; he's not hasn't been going very deep into games, so I wouldn't be surprised. If there's some sort of pitch limit on him that maybe prevents him from going a full five innings. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, even if he's pitching well, that perhaps you see a McHugh come in in those middle innings to try to bridge a gap, hopefully with the Braves up and having a lead. So, yeah, they're going to use him as a starter, but they are going to be careful with him, a guy who hasn't had a lot of 
professional innings under his belt and hasn't really gone deep into games too many times, I'm sure they're going to be cautious with him. Also from Joey Milby, is it weird we haven't heard anything about Cole Phillips and Darius Vines? Does this happen a lot? Could it mean anything other than injuries or off-field issues? I don't think it's off-field issues. I've heard some things on Cole Phillips, some promising things that he's working his way back um, that I you know, can't quite share, but I uh, have heard some things about Cole Phillips. As far as Darius Vines, it is weird. Oh, we haven't heard anything about him since spring training. I've asked everybody that I know to ask, and I can't get any answer on where Darius Vines is. I don't think it's off-field issues. I just think you know they don't have to really answer those things as often with minor league players, and it's really up to the beat writers who are mainly just covering guys at the major league level. But it is quite strange. I think we haven't heard much about Darius Vines, but we typically don't get a ton of injury information on minor league players. Um, another question from Cav Buckeyes says, do you anticipate the Braves having a TDA problem? I'm certain he's an exemplary teammate, but it's only human to be frustrated with being benched with Ozuna entrenched as an everyday player and Murphy just being an all around better catcher. Does his lack of playing time come to a head? I don't think so. Um, look, he knew this when the Braves traded for Sean Murphy and, you know, the talk was then that he was excited about Sean Murphy coming over. I think he was one of the first people to call Sean Murphy. So he knew this was coming. And look, Travis Darno is getting up there in age. He's dealt with a lot of injuries throughout his year that has kept have kept him off the field. So I think this is a good thing for Travis Darno and his longevity to use him. You know, it's pro- it was probably that time to start transitioning him more to a split backup type of player just because of his age and the injuries that he's had. Now he's still a really good productive player. You can see the difference behind the plate. I mean, when, when Travis Darno's out there, teams are running on him at will and you're seeing it when Murphy's out there, they're not, I think Travis still calls a good game, still can block pitches and frame pitches well, but there is a, obviously a huge difference there defensively. But as you saw on Thursday night, Darno can still hit the baseball. So I don't see there being a TDA problem. I think he's very comfortable in this role and look at Ozuna didn't heat up like he was. I think you'd see Travis Darno in that DH spot a lot, but Ozuna is hot. And if he does cool off at some point, then I think you can just put Travis Darno in there. And I think the bat will, will always play. So I don't think there's a problem there. I think he's one of the leaders of this team. I don't think he's going to get down with the lack of playing time. And I think it's going to be better for him in the long haul, just because he's had so many injuries in his career. Bellfire says, uh, do you think the absence of freedom right is causing some of Strider's issues this season? Being so young and forced to be the ace has to be causing him to press and maybe get away from what made him so effective last season. I honestly don't think that's the issue here at all. Everything you see from Spencer Strider tells you that you know, he is mentally as mentally prepared as anybody, and he's not worried about any outside pressure. He puts more pressure on himself just on a personal level than any outside type pressure like that. So I don't think that's playing into it at all. I think it's been a lot of command. His command's gotten away from him. That's led to a lot of walks. He's been giving up a lot of home runs because, you know, I I don't want to be one of the people that are so concerned about his velocity, but you're you're struggling with the walks and you're throwing more 95s and 96 over the middle of the plate. You can't get away away with that as much as you can with 97, 98. 99 so i think that's part of it too but more so for me it's just been the command and on thursday night i think it's just a mets team that has really got something on him and they just made a lot of really good contact and he missed over the middle of the plate too much so i'm not worried about it and i don't think the freedom right being out has really had anything to do with it also from bellfire if you were to put 
an MLB game, if you were put in an MLB game and had to pick between a guarantee of hitting a home run or making a highlight reel defensive play, which would you pick? It's a great question here. Obviously, I'm a defensive person. I love defense. I love the shortstop position. So I would have to go defensive play here. I mean, it would have to be, you know, the Ozzie Smith diving barehanded type play, like one that's on every highlight reel play for the rest of eternity. It would have to be that kind of level because hitting a home run in an MLB game, I mean, that is pretty, pretty cool, especially if it's some sort of dramatic home run. But, you know, if we're just talking like a regular, you're up six to two and you hit a solo shot or making a highlight defensive play, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pick the defensive play. I'm a defensive guy. Definitely would like to make a defensive play, but good question there. Fun question. Um, Justin says, who do you see the Braves drafting with their first pick? Really hard to guess when it's 24th overall that far back in the draft. Just based on recent trends we've seen from the Braves, I would expect it to be a pitcher. If you're looking at a college pitcher, again, if Hurston Waldrick were to drop that far, I don't think he will, but I would love to see the Braves take him. A lot of upside there. They've liked going the Wake Forest route. I know um, Rhett Lauder's not going to fall that far, but the Wake, Wake Forest has some other pitchers as well that perhaps the Braves go after there. But I do think it'll be a pitcher of some sort, but I'll narrow that down here more in the coming weeks. But I think it'll definitely be a pitcher. Just got to continue to add pitching. You see it this year. You just can't have enough pitching. So I think it'll be a pitcher of some sort, whether it's going to be in the high school ranks like they did last year or they go to the college ranks. Either way, I think it'll be a pitcher with that 24th overall pick. Baltimore Braves fans, outside of A.J. smith Shaver, Dylan Dodd, Jared Schuster, and Michael Soroka, is there anyone else at Gwinnett Rome that we could see get a chance in the rotation this season? Um, Alan Winans, the guy has the Leeds AAA and ERA, had a complete game on Thursday night. I mean, I, the guy doesn't have overpowering stuff. I need to go back and watch one of his starts, but – I mean, he's been unbelievable this year at AAA. And I think if anybody out of those four, you know, I think it's probably – he's probably going to be him. Obviously, if Colby Allard comes back at some point uh, midseason, could see him get an opportunity as well. But anybody out of outside of those four, I think it would have to be Alan Winans. He would have to be added to the 40-man roster. But he's having an incredible year at AAA, so he might get a shot at some point. Big Mac asked, do you think with the last two games going in Michael Harris' direction that he will be able to get on a hot streak? I do. And, you know, I've been saying that for a while with some of the swings we've seen. Now, you've still seen some of those at-bats up there where he just looks lost. But still, I said, when we start seeing him finding that sweet spot the other way, it's been way too many pop-ups the other way. But more so over the last week, you've seen a lot of line drives to left field, left center. You saw the home run to center field. When he starts doing that, I think you are going to see him go on a hot streak. So hopefully this is the beginning of that. But once he is able to kind of figure that out more consistently, you heard Chipper talk about on the broadcast too. He said, even if your mechanics are right, and it looks like the mechanics are getting there for Michael Harris, then it comes down to you still got to swing at good pitches. And I think the next thing for him is making sure that he's swinging at good pitches because the mechanics are starting to look better. Now it's just pitch recognition. Make sure you're swinging at the right pitches. And when he does that, he's absolutely going to go on a tear. Houston McInvale says, should Orlando Arcia be an all-star? So it's crazy to say, but based on the numbers, I think you got to say yes. I mean, uh, it's just, I, I know he's probably not going to be because there's a lot of other big name recognition out there among other shortstops in the league right now. But 
I don't know if anybody else, another shortstop has been more valuable to their team than what um, Orlando Arcia has given you this year. And I'm just trying to look up shortstop numbers real quick and just going off of war right now in the National League. You have Dansby Swanson, and a lot of that's on the defensive side, although he's been uh, pretty good offensively as well with a 114 WRC+. Plus. Um, Xander Bogarts for the Padres is fifth in war. Francisco Lindor is sixth. Um, Orlando Arcia is you know, on down there, but it's just because he hasn't played as much. He doesn't have the bats to qualify. Um, but I think he's got to be you know, in that mix when you look at the top shortstops in all of baseball. He's eighth overall in war. He's behind Lindor, Bogarts, uh, Perdomo of the Diamondbacks, and Dansby Swanson. So like I said, it's a, it's a pretty good group of National League shortstops that he has to contend with, but I definitely think you know he's got to be in that mix. You look at WRC plus among National League players, and he's tops in WRC plus. So definitely offensively, he's right there, one point five WAR overall. But I think he's got to be in that mix with you know Perdomo having a good season with Arizona. Like I said, Dansby Bogarts, Francisco Lindor is going to get some votes because he you know plays for the Mets in a big market, but. He's in the mix. I don't think he's going to get it unless the fan boat just puts him there. Uh, but I think based on his numbers and what he's done for this team, I think he's definitely deserving. Carolina Dave says, which hashtag is better, chop on or for the A? I'd say chop on. Maybe there's some political correctness there to why they went away from that. I don't know. I'm not going to get into that here. But I, I, I like the chop, chop on hashtag. But for the A, I'm down with it as well. Do you think the Braves will use a six-man rotation when Kyle and Max get back, assuming everyone's healthy? Yeah, that's a big assumption with the way pitcher injuries are going this year. I think that'll work itself out. Brian Sinker's been, I don't want to say very against it, but he's been very hesitant to go to a six-man rotation. But I think that'll work itself out once we get there. We're still you know, over a month away from that happening. I think that was all the questions. I apologize if I didn't get to yours, but thank you so much uh, for, for submitting all these questions as you do every week. It's a lot of fun answering these, some really good questions today. But if I didn't get to your questions or you didn't get to submit one in time, make sure that you ask me in the comment section below on YouTube or hit me up on Twitter and we'll feature it in next week's Mailbag Podcast. All right, next, got to set you up for Friday night's game. A.J. Smith-Shawver taking the mound, his first major league start. We'll talk about that next. In the world we live in today, a lot of us working from home. I work from home. It's all about comfort. You want to make sure that you're comfortable, but you also want to make sure you look good as well if you have to go out to the grocery store, take the kids to school, whatever it may be. And that's why I'm really enjoying my, my new bird dog shorts because not only are they the most comfortable fitting shorts right now but they also look really good as well so if i need to run out of the house i don't have to worry about changing clothes trying to dress up for the public to look acceptable but i do really enjoy wearing these bird dog shorts again they're so comfortable they're versatile they fit good they look good all the things that you want you can wear them around the house or like i said you can take them out on the golf course wherever you go they fit pretty much every occasion go to birddogs.com slash locked on mlb and enter promo code locked on mlb for a free yeti style tumbler with your order that's birddogs.com slash locked on mlb for a free yeti style tumbler you won't want to take your bird dogs off we promise you 
Braves begin a three-game series against the Washington Nationals at home on Friday night. And in Friday night's matchup, it'll be A.J. Smith-Shawver versus Josiah Gray. A.J. Smith-Shawver making his first major league start. Should be a lot of fun. Look, I talked about it when they sent Soroka down. I thought maybe it was a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction over two and a third innings that we saw from A.J. Smith-Shawver at the big league level. But as you know, again, I'll say it, if you listen to this, podcast you know how much i love aj smith shawver and how big of a fan of, I, of his i am so i cannot wait to see him in this start and hopefully he excels in that role and really takes off really good stuff as you saw in that outing in arizona big fastball slider we'll see how that goes in a starting role had the question earlier about you know how long will he go will he be more of an opener they want to use him as a starter i think they certainly want to use him as a starter and see him you know, get through five innings, I think, at least. But I wouldn't be surprised they don't let him throw more than 90 pitches in this outing. Uh, but really excited to see what he can do. On the other end, Josiah Gray, um, been really good against the Atlanta Braves. A 3.33 ERA and five starts, a 1.04 whip. So he's been really good against the Braves in his young career, and he is a good pitcher. ERA just over three this year. So, Again, I mentioned this on the postcast. You can't let up here. You got a lot of momentum. You just swept the Mets. Now you're facing a Nationals team that you should beat, a series you should win. Don't let up. Hopefully this offense continues to grind. They continue to put together good at-bats and put up some big numbers with the way they've been going lately. Get another series win here. Would love another sweep. Keep the winning streak going. But Nationals have been playing better, and you're facing Josiah Gray and then Mackenzie Gore, their two good young pitchers in that rotation. So it's going to be a, a tough task for sure, especially you're showing you're throwing A.J. smith Shaver Again, his first big league start. Don't know how long he'll go. And then Jared Schuster, who has looked better lately, but still I think there's been some signs of perhaps him taking a step back in his last couple of outings with all the walks. So, again, going to be tough, especially these first two games, but the offense continues to hit like they have here lately. I think the Braves have another chance to win a series and hopefully keep that winning streak going. Braves play the Nationals on Friday night at 7.20 p.m. Each Eastern. It's the first big league start for A.J. smith Shaver. Catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Braves. That will do it for this episode of Lockdown Braves. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Braves your first listen of each and every day. Let me know down in the comment section below if you're an everydayer. I'll make sure to shout you out on a future episode. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. You can follow me at Shortstop Ball. Make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast. We will talk to you. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 